What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Donks, the weekly NBA show over here at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam. I've been traveling recently on family vacation, also up to Chicago for the National there in Chicago. Uh, that was a lot of fun, but I wasn't able to put out videos uh, because of that. But while we were at the National, the NBA draft took place. Uh, great draft, deep draft. I was able to talk to a, a video coordinator from Clemson University, the men's basketball team there. That is a meet Taylor. I've had him on my show in the past. Uh, just a wealth of basketball knowledge, and especially when we're talking about NBA draft and players that are just coming out of college. Uh, he's studied film on all of them. Actually, a lot of them he was even able to help coach uh, at the under-16 U.S. national team. Uh, so just a wealth of information. And as you're planning for the, the future product releases with some of these rookie cards in them, uh, I think you could do no better than to watch this video and, and start taking some notes. So let's just jump right into it. All right, so I'm sitting here with Amit Taylor. Uh, he is the video coordinator at Clemson University for the men's basketball team there at Clemson. You could follow him on Instagram at Donut Have a Problem. You can see his handle there on the bottom of the screen if you are watching uh, on YouTube at the moment. He is sitting there um, at the Clemson Fieldhouse. Or what do you call it? We call it Little John Coliseum. That's our, uh, that's our, that's our arena, our women's team. If you hear the noise in the background, our women's team is actually practicing right, behind, right in front of me, I should say. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if anyone can hear any uh, shoe squeaks, it's not from me trying to dunk or anything like that. It is from the Clemson women's basketball team that's playing just right there. Uh, but uh, Amit, thanks for joining on. How are you doing? I uh, can't complain. Can't complain. Summer League's in full effect now and, uh, you know, happy to happy to be here and chat draft and and uh, hopefully some hobby with you. Yeah, definitely. We, we just had the draft. Uh, so just last uh, just last week. It is Wednesday, August 4th. This is uh, when you're watching this. It's going to be next week sometime, I guess, Tuesday, whatever, August uh, 10th, I think is what it's going to be when this finally drops. So we're a little ahead of, a little ahead of the curve here. Um, but draft is just done. Obviously, a meet video coordinator for Clemson. He's studied film on a lot of these different guys. Um, has kind of an intimate knowledge of, of how they play and what their game's like. And, and he's a big NBA fan, so... Uh, he's also, you know, has an idea of, of how they're going to fit in the league. Uh, so let's just jump through the draft and we'll pick out some of these names and just shoot them over to you and you tell us what you think about them and about their fit. And uh, yeah, we'll just take it from there. So number one overall pick, obviously, was a big name and we all pretty much knew for a while who it was going to be. But uh, it did end up being Cade Cunningham to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, was that a home run or, or what do you think about that draft pick? Hard to miss on that one. Uh, Cade's, Cade's a special player. He's a big point guard in the mold of a Luka Doncic. Three-level score, reads the game really well, great feel, good athlete. Uh, I think, you know, hard to go wrong with picking him, if, especially if you're Detroit, where you really need playmakers and, and home runs. So, uh, A-plus to the Pistons on that one. Yeah, you know, I, I thought um, there was that, that, uh, that trade proposal from the Thunder. Uh, which was reported, which was Shea Gilgis Alexander and the sixth overall pick uh, for the first overall pick, and obviously that's what Sam Presti is going to be trying. He's going to be trying to do a lot more of that in the coming years since he's got like twenty-seven thousand 
uh, first round picks coming up here in, in the next six years. But, uh, you know, a lot of, it seemed like a lot of people were kind of surprised that they didn't maybe go for that. Shea Gilders, Alexander, pretty big name. And then sixth pick, that's not a, that, that'll be a, that should be a good selection still. Um, but in my mind, it's, you want to sell this Pistons fan base. I mean, not only do you want to get a good player in house, but you need to sell the Pistons fan base on a, on a star. And if you can get Cade Cunningham in in house for the next eight, nine years, you know, pretty much automatically, you know, he is that type of, that just that big, larger than life lead ball handler that, uh, you know, that is going to be able to fill it up from anywhere and just, you know, build the team around him, which I love Shea Gilgis Alexander too. Um, and, and they could have gotten, you know, Kaminga at six or something like that. But, you know, the star power of Cade Cunningham, you, know, you just you can't knock that at all. And I think he's, you know, he's probably just going to do extremely well in this league. Yeah. As, as a, as a basketball person, I think, Cade fits the Detroit timeline more than Shea and yeah. whatever they would have done at number six. But given the young guys that they already have, a Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart and, you know, all the complimentary players around them, I think yeah. that's a better timeline fit for them. And they have, they have time to build this thing. And I think that's what they're going for. Yeah. And suddenly they're, you know, yeah. Sadiq Bay, no slouch either. You know, he was the other rookie last year uh, out on the perimeter three and D type of guy. And, you know, obviously they got Jeremy Grant and at the four and, yeah, they suddenly really, really really strong free agent pickup uh, in in Kelly Olynyk too. Good good big man presence uh, yeah. to mentor some of these younger guys. So uh, yeah. you know, while we may not see you know playoff uh, pushes just yet, they're they're probably building for two and maybe three years down the line here. Yeah, yeah, the the East is looking stronger than it has in in quite some time. But uh, some of those those teams like you know ninth, tenth, eleventh. Uh, they're really building strong, you know, Charlotte too. I love what, what they've done. We'll talk, we'll get more into Charlotte in a little bit, but uh, you know, Charlotte, Detroit, some of those teams that are super young that are building up just like a ton of young talent right now. Uh, love that. And, you know, Charlotte, obviously with Lamella ball, that really helps, but then, you know, Detroit, they got their guy with Cade Cunningham. So, you know, when his cards start coming out, actually you pointed that out to me the other day, his, uh, his Panini, um, instant or whatever it's called yeah and and, and uh, i guess it's an autograph out of 99 or something like that already a thousand dollars so he's yeah. obviously got some hype in the hobby yeah. um i think people are excited i just you know is it too early to pay that much money for an uh, an autograph of, of his maybe maybe not depend just depends on how much you like him depends on how much money you got i guess that too yeah 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 it, yeah i think uh he, he's going to be the name that carries this him, him and the next name that we'll talk about. They're really going to carry this class and, and carry these, the, the values of these, these products that are coming out. Uh, you know, if you, if you get your hands on some wax and want to hold it for a while, you, you know, you really want to have like a Luka Doncic type of player that, that can really kind of grow the, the value of your, your sealed wax. Um, but you know, Cade Cunningham, he, he should be really good. And, and certainly he's going to be one of the players that, that people are chasing. And, you know, the first, the first prism rookie of his that sells on eBay, it's like, it's going to be several hundred dollars. And, is it, you know, here's a question. Is it going to be the, the prism in Detroit uniform or is it going to be a prism draft picks that comes out like six months ahead or whatever it ends up being? Yeah, I mean, we'll have some of that too, and then and then there'll be tons of overreactions and saying, "Oh, wait till draft and or wait till the the NBA product comes out." And that's true, you know. But 
people are going to want to get their hands on Cade stuff. So the, the sooner you can get it and sooner you can get it to eBay, the, the better that's going to be for you. Now, here's a question. Here's a question. Does summer league hype and summer league performance impact any of this stuff? It does. We've seen it in the, in the past. There's, you know, there are like the, the classic summer league stars that, uh, you know, like, um, it's like I, a couple years ago, I was on my way to summer league and it was the day of the, I want to say it was like Zion versus uh, a Jason Tatum game or something, whatever game, or maybe right. it was Tatum versus Lonzo ball or something. And whatever game the the lights in the arena went out on and something like that. So, uh, you know, I, I wonder if some some crazy summer league dunk or performance from from Kate or whoever will will drive the price of some of these cards, especially some of these instant cards that are coming out early. Yeah, it seems like to me um, the players that that affects more will be like the Cal Kuzmas, Kevin Knoxes of the world. You know, because those guys had big summer leagues too, and they weren't. You know, they didn't come into the league with as much expectation. You know, I think if. For the for the biggest names, they come in and everyone's like, "You should be extremely good right away." So you're excited about it, but it doesn't really change much. But it's the guys that are getting drafted down the down the draft board, you know, second half out of the lottery. Um, if they're doing well in summer league, you know, that's the type of thing where people will remember that as their first impression. And then as the NBA season goes on and some of these products start getting released, those cards will be going for more, even if those guys have kind of fallen off. But it's that first impression that really sticks for a while. And, and Kevin Knox, you know, his market was up for quite some time before people finally realized he wasn't an NBA player. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, his summer league is still sticking with them. And, you know, finally the Lakers were able to unload him. But you still hear people talking about him as like a like a future MVP sometimes, which just doesn't make any sense. But I think, I honestly, I think a lot of that has to do with him going third. I think he went 30th. And then starred in the summer league, and he was scoring like twenty-eight points per game in the summer league. And so, yeah, I, I think hobby hype must be driving contract values this these days too, because of what happened with Taylor Norton Tucker. <laughs> hey, good for him. Well, good you know, him. this the Lakers they need uh, they need contracts that if they need if they want to make a trade later, they can't just have all you know max and minimum salary contracts. So he was one of the rare guys on the team that they could re-sign for you know, ten million ish a year, and then. And then hopefully trade later if they needed to. So meanwhile, his hobby value stays relatively solid. I think. Yeah, you know it is, and assuming he should be getting more minutes this year, that you know probably decent. I wouldn't be buying him right now, but if I if I had him, I wouldn't mind holding him. But all right, let's move down the draft board. Second overall pick, uh, probably pretty solidly the the second best. Well, I don't know. We'll see what you think, but. Uh, clearly one of the best players in the draft. That's Jalen Green going to the, the Houston Rockets. Uh, what do you think about him? Obviously super athletic uh, wing, but um, you think he got the right spot? What Do you, th uh, do you think they yeah. got the right player? Yeah, I, th I think so. You know what? I, I had a chance to, to be around Jalen some at the under 16 or maybe it was the under 17 championship several years ago. And he was just, you know, 15, maybe 15 years old at the time. And and uh, you could tell right away this kid was pretty special. And, and even in speaking with an NBA coach about him, who's from the same hometown as him in Fresno, uh, had heard of him, seen him, been around him some, said this kid is very special. So if an NBA coach is saying that about a kid at 15 and 16, then, you know, you're probably onto something. You probably have something. Houston, a, another team uh, desperate for, for dynamic playmakers, just got their guy. And uh, solidly, you know, 
I think he'll end up being the second and has a chance to be the best prospect in this class too. It's just, yeah. you know, so much of the NBA is, is fit and situation and how, how much you're able to take advantage of what's around you. So Jalen's in a situation where he can come in and probably be the best player yeah. almost right away. Um, you know, great player, great feel, extremely gifted athlete, just very explosive. And I've seen him do some things with a foot injury that probably most guys couldn't do at full strength. So um, really like him, like him as a person. Uh, I, you know, I didn't get a chance to see him a ton in the G League, but I, I had seen a lot of him in, uh, before his time in the G League. Very special player. Yeah. So you, you said playmaker, which is a you know pretty important word, I think. You know, and stereo, you know, stereotypically, a lot of people think of, of wings and more of like a three and D type of mold, um, which isn't like the most exciting for the hobby. You know, as far as playmaker goes, like shot creator for himself, shot creator for his teammates. What type? What can we expect from him? I think for in a place like Houston, where they're desperate for anything, uh, given what's around him, he's going to have to be a, a, a create for me first kind of guy. Yeah. But very capable, you know, distributor, facilitator, and and you know, pretty good feel for the game. Extremely, yeah. extremely athletic, very quick, very twitchy athlete. Um, you know, you'll you'll see him take a steal a pass a little bit past half court, one dribble, and and it'll be a dunk. Yeah, That's, and he's just incredibly quick, incredibly long strides, and you know, not not typical wing size, but very wing attributeish. We'll yeah. Call it that. Yeah, I, um, I, I really, he's the type of player that I really kind of gravitate towards. Athletic, plays both sides of the ball, and you know, or is capable of playing both sides of the ball. And and uh, you know, uh, I think going to Houston where they need him and they're going to build around him, perfect fit. And and yeah, like you said, he's going to be creating for himself, and and certainly he's going to have those highlight level plays. In you know, in our in our hobby, the sports card marketplace, the. Uh, creating shots for yourself that goes a long way in driving prices, but also just like simple highlights, you know, that goes a long way in creating prices. And he's going to be one of the first players out of this draft with, you know, some, some Twitter highlights that really make people turn heads and say, you know, who is this guy? And uh, if that's the case, he, he should be, you know, pretty highly priced right out of the gate too. And, you know, if anyone's breaking wax and gets Jalen Green and Arcade Cunningham for that matter, you know, certainly <laughs> do do everything you can to keep those cards safe because those are going to be worth something pretty soon. Yeah, never a bad call when you get the top two guys in a draft like this. And, you know, people were saying this is the best draft class since 2003. Right. I, I don't think you have to go back that far to find a good draft class because I thought the 2000, you know, the 18 class, 18 I, draft, was, yeah. I thought the 18 class has turned out to be tremendous. Yeah, I, th I still think there's uh, a number of players in that draft that are going to be Hall of Famers, you know, maybe three or four, maybe even five of those guys. And, you know, some of them have been dealing with injury and, and they'll be coming back around and reminding everyone who they are. And, and why I, I, I think I know who you're talking about there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I don't want to jinx it, but uh, moving down, Evan Mobley to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Some have said next Anthony Davis. Uh, so unfortunately being uh, on the East coast, as much yeah. as, as we are, we don't get a chance to see a lot of PAC 12. And the other problem being on the East coast is you don't get PAC 12 network regularly. So right. studying a guy like Mobley is something you'll have to do on your own, which I've had a chance to, and, you know, being around, 
being around them and, and being around the NCAA tournament stuff, you get to see and you have to prepare for, you know, all the situations possible. So you didn't know uh, ahead of time what your draws are going to be. So as a, as a, as a person in my position on a, on a team side, you're looking at all the possible matchups and projections. So you're come NCAA tournament time, you're looking at possible matchups. And one of the ones we landed on was Southern Cal. So we got a little bit of a, an early study on Mobley. Mobley's a really good hybrid combo forward uh, and post player. He's got an inside outside game, um, you know, great defensive feel, good athlete, just, you know, very mobile guy uh, fits the NBA really well. Can play both both the four and the five there, uh, depending on how Cleveland wants to use him. But I, you know, concerns about fitting with Jared Allen. I think he can fit with Jared Allen just fine. Yeah, he can play. You can downsize and play him a little bit at the five, and and you know be really switchy. He's he's really good guard and perimeter guys. He can stay in front. Uh, probably the defensive versatility is what I'd look at most with, with a guy like Mobley. So hobby wise, it's not the most, you know, flashy stuff, but he's a, you know, he'll catch a, he'll catch a lob dunk. He'll run the floor. You can throw one up to him. He'll pick and he'll pick and roll dive. And, uh, you know, the, the, the highlight level plays for him, probably be blocking shots and stealing passes. Right. And he at least projects to, to be able to shoot it, you know, probably at least eventually from, you know, multiple levels so uh if he could stretch it out a little bit that doesn't hurt as far as the pairing with jared allen goes but but really yeah when we talk about you know pairing two big men together the the concern the biggest concern is defense because you need to have someone that can stick out on the perimeter and and from all the film i've seen of him it's you know he's certainly capable of of uh staying in front of his man out on the perimeter and and uh you know blocking shots too so it seems like a good fit there with with cleveland and, and he was a jared allen didn't he get like five one hundred million dollars? Five years, one hundred million dollars yesterday. So, good payday for him. And obviously, the Cavs uh, having done all the work on on Mobley and knowing Allen, obviously they think that they're going to be able to work together. Or else they would not have handed Allen that five year, hundred million dollar contract. Although sometimes you question what some of these teams are doing, but but I I think they're uh, I think they're on the right path there. I think it's going to be harder to score on them just because they're so both of those guys together are so well uh, versed defensively. Jared Allen from the time he was in high school understood how, you know how to how to play defensively yeah. and how to play all these drop coverage. He doesn't even leave the paint a lot of times. If you go yeah. back and look at him as a rookie, he'd never left the paint. Yeah. And the way they don't call defensive 3 seconds in the NBA is incredible. So it makes it so that the guys can just do that. Yeah. And if Evan Mobley is downsized to the 5, I would I would expect a lot of five-way switching. I assume that they're going to be watching a lot of film on the Bucks drop drop coverage scheme with Giannis as the uh, you know the kind of safety valve you know with you know having Brooke Lopez you know defensive anchor in the in the at the at the five in the paint um, and then Giannis coming from the backside. It's like the Cavs have that right now and, and two young guys they could be they could be doing that for the next you know five years easily. And and the other the other thing the Bucks did with the with with the with the grouping of that is just kill teams on the offensive glass. Right. So if shots weren't falling, they're they're coming in, they're running in from the corner. Yeah. These guys are cleaning up misses around the rim. So yeah. So I think I think the Cavs are good pairing. Are built to, good pairing. They're in good shape. Let's let's hope their guards get you know better and and they can all play together because I think they got a good foundation. Yeah, although uh, I have heard some rumblings that the Cavs aren't super interested in paying Colin Sexton his next contract, and uh, 
I wouldn't be super interested in doing that either. So maybe he'll be traded. We'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll by see. the time he's posted, he'll be traded. I'm not we sure. We will but, see. Yeah. Um, moving down, Scotty Barnes. He's a guy that you must have watched a lot of film on. Big, big fan of Scotty Barnes, another guy. So think about this. The under-16 team that we fielded had a combination of Scotty Barnes, the guy who was drafted right behind him, Jalen Suggs, guy drafted a couple spots ahead, Jalen Green. There's probably a bunch of other guys I'm, I'm not talking about who are really good players in college and probably play in the NBA in, in the near future. These guys were all on one team demolishing people at 16 years old. Okay. And by the way, can you before uh, can you tell people really quick? We talked about it last time. But can you say what your role with the U16 team was? I was uh, kind of a jack a jack of all trades, Swiss Army knife type of guy. So if it was get on the floor and rebound or put some guys through some drills, it was that. If it was you know make sure all the video operations were 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 running in order, it was that. It was it was help with some of the scouting of the opponents. It was it was a little bit of everything. So wherever they needed to plug me in. Uh, was 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 where they plugged me in, and that was with Billy. Was it Billy Donovan that got no, you? No, so so the yeah, so Coach Donovan originally pushed me into the USA basketball system. Yeah, uh, a number of years ago, and the the players I've seen come through there have been incredible. A lot of them have been first round picks, and uh, a lot of them have been very very productive players in college. So, yeah. one of those guys, Scotty Barnes, yeah. fourth pick in the draft. Uh, when he was 16, I thought, you know, a lot of people had made comparisons to Draymond Green now. I thought I saw that years ago. I'm not going to say I was the first one to say it, but I, 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 I'm not surprised by the comparisons. Yeah. Put it that way. He's Swiss Army Knife type of guy. Obviously, every I think everybody who's watched Florida State and has watched college basketball knows the shooting's got to improve. But if Toronto's got a good guy, they drafted a guy like this before, and he's become a very competent role, first a competent role player, and now a superstar who they pay near max level in in Siakam. So, yeah. obviously, player development's very strong there. Um, Scotty Barnes is in a good situation. You know, two way wing, big point guard, played against him twice. Uh, part of the reason we won the first game was because he was in foul trouble, and I think we really change up a little bit of their game plan because we had to take him out of the game. Now the second time around he was, you know, cutting us up like uh like like men's mate and and he's he's an incredible player. He's he's got six he's about six seven, six eight with point guard feel, can guard up pretty much every position. I you know I wouldn't be afraid of putting him on big guys because he's just a really strong dude. Yeah, you know, he has so many of the um so many of the measurables and intangibles that you can't really teach. And then if all you really need to try and teach him is shooting, like he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to get to a 40% three point shooter. If he can get up to like, if he can be like 35% from three on volume, uh, if he can live around there, that's just, you know, with everything else that he's already bringing to the table, that's a super, super valuable player. And, and I think there, you know, right after the draft, there were some people that, you know, were quick to say that it was, um, you know, a reach that the the Raptors should have taken Suggs instead. But the you know the, the Raptors' mo is to kind of swing for the fences. You know, sometimes and and you know they trust and they should they should they trust in their player development system. Uh, and I do think that they probably have the best player development system in the entire NBA, uh, as we've seen from um, you know the past past five years or so taken. Siakam and, and Fred Van Fleet and you know guys like Norman Powell and and OG Ananobi. It's like 
you plug these guys in there and the Raptors are going to turn them into really good players. And, and Scotty Barnes has, you know, as high of a ceiling as, as probably any of the guys that they've drafted in recent years. And if all they need to do is, is teach them how to shoot, I, I have no doubt that they can do that. And uh, yeah, it's like uh, watching them. It, it was like Draymond Green, you know, not just with the size, but Dray, you know, Draymond Green obviously is an undersized center, but he's probably, you know, one of the best passers on, on that team, you know, one of the best uh, facilitators on that Golden State team. Um, so yeah, it's you know, it's pretty similar to to uh, Draymond Green. And uh, we're going to keep coming back to this playmaking theme. And I think you look at three of the top four, and maybe even four of the top five guys picked. And playmaking is a very common denominator with all of them. Yeah, and that's good. Scotty Barnes is no exception. Very very high level feel. Very high IQ player. It's it's incredible that this was. This was this kid at 16 and 15 and as much as it is now. Uh, big shout to the Toronto Player Development System, their, D League, their G League team, I should say, the, the 905 as they call them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned all the guys that have come through and that have become very productive NBA players and very, very well-paid NBA players in Van Vliet and, and soon-to-be OG, but definitely Pascal and now Norm Powell. Yeah. Yeah, you know, in, in sports cards, as far as sports cards goes, it's – you're often investing in the player, but you're also investing in the the franchise. And, and there's some franchises that you just almost don't really want to throw your money towards because you can't really trust them with the player development, or or that they're going to have the eyes that are going to you know drive the market prices on on some of these players. But uh, the Raptors are one of those those teams that I always feel comfortable. You know, if I were to put money in one of their draft picks, I feel like it's a it's a one of the more safer investments as far as a, a franchise goes. So. Yeah, we'll see what they can do with Scotty Barnes, but I have no doubt that he's going to turn into a very special player with them. And and years down the line, will probably look and be like, "Wow, I can't believe he he went fourth. But it's a strong draft, so very strong. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if sometime in this in the course of this season, he becomes a secondary ball handler behind yeah. Van Vliet. Yeah, at all. Yeah, and in the NBA, we've we've seen so you know so many teams they're looking for multiple ball handlers, multiple guys that can dictate the offense. It's like. Um, you know, Phoenix and, and Milwaukee, the two teams in the finals, both of them had, you know, two or three guys that they felt comfortable running the offense. And uh, yeah, that's good because in this league where so much is switching and, and there's so much, you know, scheming around certain players, you gotta, you gotta switch it up. So a uh, good situation there in Toronto for Scotty Barnes. Uh, speaking, or you, or, yeah. you just, or you just get tired of Drew Holiday jamming you for 94 feet every single time you pick up the ball and just point to a second guy and say, take it. You know, it's funny if, if anybody, for anybody that watched us this year, we were, yeah. that was, that was our MO too. We would pick you up 94 feet just the way Florida State would. Yep. So. But you weren't playing against 36 year olds. We weren't, we weren't playing against grown men. We were playing against, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds who had never yeah. seen that kind of pressure before. Yeah. Yeah. At least they have the legs for it. But yeah, the seeing that pressure. That, it'll, it really wears you down. It yeah. really, you know, that, that stuff. And you could tell by the end of that series, Chris Paul and the rest of those guys bringing the ball up the floor were completely worn down. Yeah. By the yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to deal with uh, Drew Holiday for 94 feet every single possession either. That's, that's brutal. Uh, speaking of playmaking, high IQ, I think that describes the next guy too. Jalen Suggs going to the Magic. I'm sure the Magic had to be happy with, uh, with Suggs falling to them. Um, it's been a while since they had that type of um, high IQ playmaking premier point guard type of player. 
Um, so what do you see out of Jalen Suggs and how do you feel for the magic? You know, I couldn't have said it better uh, myself. I think a, a very, very good player that was probably that they probably didn't think would be available at, at five fell in their lap and uh, good fit. Multiple, you know, combo guard, high IQ. Yeah. A winner. Right. He, he comes from a, a place where all they know is winning. So bringing that kind of stuff to Orlando where it's been, uh, you know, up and down with injuries and, and a lot of roster turnover and even coaching turnover now, um, you know, I think the winning is going to help them. The, the, the culture of winning from the guys that, that, that are there now, um, you know, hopefully some health luck and, uh, and, and some player development with the new staff will make it a really good situation for Suggs. Good player, great kid, um, just wants to win, wants to win, wants to be great. Yep. And they already have, you know, he's a good defensive player too, and they already have uh, quite a few good defenders, you know, long uh, defenders on that team already. And then they also add in Franz Wagner, mm -hmm. who's, who's also a very strong defensive player. You know, the, the scoring might be a little tough for the Magic. They don't have like a – ton of uh you know go out and get a bucket type of scores um but at least defensively you know which is tough for a young team at least defensively uh they seem set right now of probably you know be one of the, the tougher teams to score on in the league which you know that's that's good that's a good foundation to build off of and you can always add in shooting um but you know it is hard to find playmaking and Jalen sucks he brings that high iq type of playmaking to the to the squad that they just you know, Markel Fultz, I like Markel Fultz, but he doesn't have that, you know, maybe it quite as much as, as Jalen Suggs already has just coming out of college. Yeah. I, I love what Orlando's got. I think what they really need is health. Yeah. In addition yeah. to to some, some development. Now, you've got a first-time head coach, uh, but he's got an experienced staff around him. A lot of guys who came over from Dallas, so a lot of guys have seen winning, a lot of guys who have seen you know, good player development. So I trust their player development. I think it's going to be a really good situation for Suggs. And hopefully, yeah. a, hopefully a good bounce back season, not just for Markel Fultz, but also Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, oh yeah. Jonathan Isaac's my guy. And, and uh, yeah, hopefully it's just so frustrating seeing how how his knee all worked out last year. And you feel so bad for the kid. But, uh, yeah, you know, getting him with a, a playmaking point guard and, and – uh, building around those guys that that'll be really good and I, th I think what you're also establishing is some some backcourt and perimeter depth once once you have health because you yeah. can't forget you you can't forget about rj you can't forget yeah. about cole yeah that's and right now you're adding a bunch of these guys into it then that crazy they rj hampton cole anthony rj hampton another guy on that same team with jalen green scotty barnes and and uh and jalen and jalen suggs so yeah a lot, a lot of guys who have played together now yeah, a lot of guys that can run the point for this team and uh, kind of uh, pretty pretty stacked in that in that that guard room. Um, yeah, the, a good problem to have though. I think the Magic. Yeah, they they've been unhealthy. Uh, you've Cole Anthony who was hurt last year. R.J. Hampton struggled with stuff, and obviously Isaac. So yeah, get healthy and then you know build as a young squad and, and figure out what pieces need to stay and what pieces you can trade for the those missing pieces and. Uh, the Magic, they're in a good situation moving forward. It doesn't seem like they're they're going to be selling out for the eighth seed like they have in the in years past. And finally, they can start a an actual rebuild, and they're you know they're well on their way in that regard. So uh, happy with them. They're right up the street from me. I live in you know just down from Orla just south of Orlando. So 
uh, a lot of magic people that I know and, and fans that I know, and uh, I'm happy for them. A, a good draft, good draft for the magic overall. Uh, you probably didn't get to watch much Josh Giddy. Yeah, I definitely didn't get to see a lot of Josh Giddy this year, especially given uh, how focused we were on ourselves and, and, and everything going on here. Uh, but it seems to me like a very Oklahoma City pick and a reach for the fences type of pick with a kid that, that was available. Now, you know, anybody who can do what Josh Giddy does against grown men in the NBL, uh, yeah. kind of like LaMelo Ball a year ago, uh, is going to open some eyes and draw some attention. So, um, you know, another 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 place where he can go and really take his time to get better. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Thunder are in no rush to win. So they will develop you as much as they need to before they until they figure out what they have. No, another good G League system. Another, uh, you know, I'm, having worked with the, co the head coach there, I know exactly what they're about. I know, you know, kind of what goes into it. And uh, I, I expect good things from him down the line. Yep. Cool. Expect, to, expect to hear his name a lot. Maybe not in the hobby, but definitely on on uh, when you start talking about players and teams. Right. Let's talk about the Warriors draft. First round, they took Jonathan Kaminga, and then fourteen seemed like probably a little bit of a steal. They took Moses Moody. Uh, what's your read on on the Warriors draft overall, or those anything on those two players? So I've seen a lot more of, of Moody. Tremendous player, played for a tremendous coach. Actually, former Warriors head coach Eric Musselman. Uh, yeah. who's done an unbelievable job at Arkansas, yeah. uh, not only in winning, but also recruiting. So previously a guy like Moses Moody would not have gone there, but Moses Moody's a heck of a talent, a uh, heck of a steal at 14, probably was pretty high on their board at seven. Um, Kaminga, probably hard to pass on the upside, right? Yeah. Really young, really athletically gifted. Um, I think that's a, a value pick at seven. You don't have to play him. But if he contributes, then then great. Moody, I think, is ready to contribute almost right away. Isn't that crazy? They got they got two guys, uh, both Kaminga and Moody. They're like six seven, six six, I think, somewhere in that range. Both of them, and um, you know, pretty prototypical three and D type of wing players. You know, very athletic uh, wings, and and yet uh, the one that they picked fourteen is is probably better right now than the one that they picked at seven. But that we you know we see that in the NBA draft is. Uh, you you go for upside generally first, and then further down you you take the guys that are you know maybe a little more established at the moment. But um, sweet sweet draft for the Warriors when great draft because when you think about their timeline, they're competing for now, and they're also right. able to build for the future, which most right. teams wouldn't. And and look at them for the last two years; they ended up with number two last year with hopefully uh, James Wiseman. Coincidentally, also on that same team with Barnes and Suggs and you know RJ Hampton and Jalen Green. Right, so you get a, a hopefully a, a center for the future. Now you have your two wings for the future, but you can also you're also built to compete now. Yeah, and, and perfect fit in that regard too, because if you you think about the Warriors roster construction, obviously you have Steph, obviously you have Clay, and hope hope that Clay's healthy, so your your backcourt's locked down. Um, then you have you know you have Draymond, who's you know, pretty malleable, can play four, can play five, whatever he needs. Um, but then, so then, bringing in a couple of of defensive presences on the wing that that can shoot a little bit, uh, that's good for both now and obviously for the future as they're both young and, and bit developed, like you said. But uh, you know, they fit into that that Warriors roster at this moment, just much like Wiseman did last year. Just, you know, throw him twenty minutes a game as a big body uh, down low, um, you know, and develop him with some of the best players in the league. 
um, you know, love love what the Warriors have been able to do, and so much of it, so much of what they've done the last couple of years is you know just the fortune of where they've landed in the draft and and what's come to them, and and I'm sure that uh, you know they couldn't be happier with the way that's all worked out. I, I I assume that they wanted to try and trade out of some of these picks and and maybe trade Wiseman to to land another star that was more on the timeline of Steph Curry, um, but if if it, that didn't work out, they have the next best option. Um, or you know, the, this right now is probably the, the next best thing that could have happened is get a couple good young wings, and then also have your your big down low and and build around those guys to the future too. It's, point guard is the, one of the deepest possessions and positions in basketball, so you can probably always pretty much pick up a point guard when you need to. Um, so yeah, it's a good situation for Warriors fans and, and for the Warriors in general. So it's interesting. You don't usually don't see a title contender get back-to-back lottery picks or three lottery picks over a couple of years. And, right. and, you know, how they – one of the things with the Warriors has been depth, right? Bench depth and yeah. wing depth yeah. behind Clay and now Wiggins and, and you know, previously Kent Bazemore and Kelly Oubre. So right. um, let's see what happens. I think, you know, both those guys are situated well for the future for sure. If they can contribute right away, better for the Warriors. Yep. So I want to jump around a little bit now. Uh, we have, you know, I, I found that in, in the basketball card marketplace, people love, I think above anything else, they love shot creation, like individual shot creation as, as the driver and the hobby. So, you know, through the, through the playoffs or through the finals, first, first several rounds of the final or first several games of the finals, um, when it still looked like the that Phoenix would win, or if it was like more of a 50-50 proposition, um, if you had Giannis scoring thirty-five a night, everyone was like, "Okay." But if you had Devin Booker scoring thirty-five a night, but creating tough shots to do it, you know that was really skyrocketing his prices pretty quickly before they obviously dropped after the finals were done. Um, but you know, you look around the the sports card marketplace, and it's the guys that can create their own shots that that seem like um, they are just the biggest draws as far as the you know the the hobby as a whole uh, is concerned. One guy that stands out, and I think this is an awesome selection, awesome fit. But I'm looking at James Booknight to the to the Charlotte Hornets uh, as a guy that can go out and get his buckets whenever he needs to. That's going to be exciting in the hobby, and uh, and putting him with Lamelo Ball. Um, again, you know, as last year's as big hobby winner and, and, you know, big, exciting young rookie, um, sweet fit there, but what's, what's your take on James Booknight and, and with the Hornets, I don't know how much video you've watched on him, but. Excellent one-on-one score, right. Yeah. And, and where he played in college, they were, you know, they really, really needed that. So he, he's, you know, given the, the departure of Devonte Graham now, uh, they're going to need some extra scoring. You know, he definitely provides some help behind an injury, possibly to maybe Gordon Hayward or, uh, you know, one of their other bigger wings. But definitely a guy who can you can just say you don't have to call a play for, but give him the ball, space the floor and say, go get one. Yeah, that's that's your guy, especially yeah. down down the line. That's that, your guy. That'll be good. That'll be you, you love. I love what the Hornets have done. Uh to build this team around Lamelo and bringing in Book Knight is, is a good thing. And then another very underrated player development system. Yeah. And they, who they who else did they take in this draft? I got a my my list is making 
Oh, Kai Jones. Big rim running center. Athletic yeah. is all get out. Uh, you know, very much uh Jack, you know, and not to not to make the Texas comparisons, but a lot like Jackson Hayes. Yeah. Who previously played ahead of him, which is crazy. It's crazy to think the run of big guys that Texas has had drafted, Jared Allen and Bamba and now, you know, Jericho Sims and Kai Jones, and I'm sure I'm missing one here. And uh obviously Jack Pacers. Pacers. And Miles Turner. Miles Turner, yeah. So yeah, just an incredible run on big guys from from Texas. But yeah, Kai Jones fits the mold, right? Five man who screens, dives, catches lobs, and and defends, and just plays with an incredible motor. So JT JT Thor is the other guy that went there, and I don't know literally anything about him. Really, yeah. really young, really versatile, big guy. Probably going to take a little while. This is a guy you can probably see playing their G League. Um, yeah. And you know now that Cody Zeller's gone, but. I think I think Biz is still in a contract there, seemingly forever. Uh, but Biz, they, they really like Biz, and Biz is a is a great uh, veteran presence for them. So, yeah. um, you know, definitely somebody for these younger guys to learn from. Yeah, that's Bismack Biombo. Yes, anyone didn't know. Uh, so yeah, you know, Charlotte uh, team that built right let's, this this draft. Let's not, forget, let's not forget about the athleticism with PJ Washington and Miles Bridges as well before right. before we move on because those guys right, are right. pretty key to their rotation too. Well and and then bringing in Aaron Gordon or uh Gordon Hayward Aaron Gordon uh, Gordon Hayward last year, you know, I think that they've built something pretty quickly here in just in just two seasons uh that could potentially be contending for the 8th seed this year although uh, the East is is has quite a few teams, you know, there's like 10 or 11 teams that could contend uh for the playoffs. Uh, but I think Charlotte's thrown their hat in the ring and as a team that certainly could be doing it. Um, yeah, I, I like what they have, especially in that backcourt between LaMelo and Book Knight. Um, yeah, Book Knight, he's not going to be facilitating the offense a whole ton, uh, but he's certainly going to be creating for himself. And, and LaMelo, you know, he has all the high IQ uh, creation for his teammates is, that you could want in a, in a point guard. All right. Uh, looking back at the draft, are there any other players in this draft that you thought were particularly good? Uh, gets you know steals type of players or were there any that you thought were kind of reaches at where they were drafted uh i'm going to talk about a couple of of, of really uh, guys i love in Corey kispert and trey murphy but that's me i'm a big i'm big on shooting and getting as much shooting as you can those are the two best shooters in the draft trey murphy i've seen firsthand he killed us when we played him um so big fan of Trey Murphy and have been a big fan of Corey Kispert for a couple of years. He turned, you know, little known player originally, especially for the last year and a half or so, but really came on on a team uh, that sh was contending for a title this year and uh, left his mark as, as, you know, probably the best or the second best shooter, depending on whether you, you like you just like uh, him or Trey Murphy more. Trey Murphy probably gives you a little more defensive vers versatility and athleticism. But either way, love both picks for both teams. Uh, you know, Trey Murphy traded to looks like Indiana, and Corey Kispert to Washington. So, um, oh, I said, oh yeah, it's okay. Yeah, Corey Kispert, Washington. Yeah, I thought, I thought uh, when that happened, if if they had still had Russell Westbrook, that would have been a pretty nice solution there, since Russ can't shoot very yeah. much. Yeah. Of course, they traded Russ, but yeah. Um, I'm going to share my screen here. I, you know. Never been a fan of these big guys that have been drafted out of North Carolina. Uh, I'm, I can't see, the, you know, not to. I hope I hope these teams that you know watch this one day don't kill me. But I'm I'm gonna share my screen here, yeah, uh, and show you some uh, 
some video. So our guy, Amir Sims, did not get picked up by any teams, but or didn't get drafted, but you can see him down here where my mouse cursor well, my mouse cursor is right here. This is our guy, Amir. This is Daron Sharp at the free throw line. And Amir, in this game especially, was trolling a little bit. You see what he does here. That's Daron Sharp. And let me go back here. Amir <laughs> just kind of ball bounces on the rim and he's looking out for dear life here. So here it is again. Here's Amir on the other side this time. Right here. And Brick. <laughs> uh, so the, to the teams that were really high on Daron Sharp, uh, well, he's going to a dear friend of mine in the Brooklyn Nets. And, uh, you know, obviously he's got upside as a, as a great rim runner, a relentless rebounder, high motor guy. Does he play? Does he contribute? We'll see. He's got, yeah. a, you know, we'll see. Just, big. just th this is my, this is my, uh, moment to say, you know, these bigs that are drafted out of Carolina usually really go one way or the other. Recently, recent runs right. on these guys have been not so good. Right. Well, uh, you know, we see it every single year and it always frustrates me to no end, but you get these guys that come into workouts in an open empty gym and they're shooting and then teams are just really impressed with their shooting. And it's like you could watch any player in the NBA in an empty gym and you'd be impressed with their shooting. Yeah, that's that's like you and I working out against the chair and saying we did a really good job against the chair. <laughs> right. Who did? Who was that again? I don't. Remember. There there have been a lot of guys who have been the chair workout guys. Yeah, over the past is, however many years. Like look at that move. It's like yeah, most defenders move with you. <laughs> but um, yeah. So yeah, Dayron Sharp, obviously twenty eighth to the the Brooklyn or twenty seventh. No, twenty ninth. Twenty ninth to Brooklyn via trade. I I think. Yeah. Uh, but you know well, we'll what's, see. What's you know, Brooklyn's devoid of, of bigs, and they they're trying to move DeAndre Jordan. So right. uh, maybe he works out for them, and I, and and for their sake, I hope he does. Right, and he wasn't supposed to be, you know, wasn't supposed to be a first round pick originally, but then moved up the draft boards due to the to the good workouts. And and I mean, look, these these teams they see a lot more than than I do. Obviously, they're watching them, they're interviewing them, uh, but we do see a year after year after year where someone really impresses in workouts and then just shoots up and it. Just doesn't always work out that well, um, but you know you don't want don't want to root against any of these players. So yeah, I, I want to say it was a reach. I, I'm just you know being right. being in Clemson, be, repping Clemson here. I can't I can't ever you know be happy for these Carolina guys. That's other right, than Jordan. That's right. All right, any uh, I think that I think we covered most of the guys that I wanted to cover. There might be a few few here that slipped here and there that slipped through the cracks. Any any last thoughts on any of the draft? Uh, deep draft. Really deep draft. I think we'll see some guys, especially after the first or second year, start to make a name for themselves. Yeah. And uh, if, if anyone out there is breaking wax or able to get their hands on any product, the best thing you can do with a draft like this is every single rookie a hit. Um, just sleeve it up right away and put it aside, put it in a box. Um, you think back to the 2013 draft and how many people uh, very famously. I was one of those it. people, by the way throwing away their Giannis Antetokounmpo cards. It's like, who's this guy? You know, you th throw the card away and now you could buy a car with that card. And, and so there, there's a, there's potential for a lot of steals in this draft, just with how deep it was um, in, in every draft. That's true. But, uh, but this one, especially, I think so. Uh, so make sure you're sleeving up all of your rookies and then, you know, just catalog them, categorize them, remind yourself and, you know, every and, once in a while that you have them and then, and check back in, in two or three years. And in the words of the crypto community, hold on for dear life. That's right. Hold to the moon. So, 
All right, Amit, it's been a pleasure. Sam, thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. We'll chat some more. All right, see, see you later. later. All right, that was our interview with Meet. Obviously, uh, just a ton of information on these guys. Uh, really fun chatting with them, and, and you know, it's just nice to talk with someone that's not. Uh, you know, it's one thing to to read all of the the analysis that that I read or someone else reads. Uh, it's another thing to be coaching against these guys and to game plan against these guys and to see them up close and personal. That's what a meet brings. So, uh, really fun to have him on. Uh, really grateful for his time, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll we'll all be watching with great interest as these rookies develop, and and really hope that some of these guys just kind of pop out of nowhere and, and become steals. Yeah, we saw with with Giannis at 15, with Devin Booker at 13. There's a lot of really good players in this league that were not drafted at the top of the draft. Um, so I'm hoping for good things for for Jalen Green, for uh, Cade Cunningham, but you know some of those guys lower down the list. Uh, make sure again you sleeve those cards up if you ever hit them. And then save them to the side and potentially someday you could get something nice for your family off of some of the, the profits that you make. Uh, that's all I have for you today. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.